and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we see that this grace that God gives, he does it free. You don't deserve it. You didn't work hard enough to earn it. You in and of yourself don't deserve one ounce of it. But God gives it to you anyways. You see, this grace that God gives, he does it freely. Because if you could earn it, then it wouldn't be a free gift in what we call salvation. And so this grace, God does the same way as salvation. He gives it freely. But the Bible continues to build on the theology of what grace means. When we read in Romans uh, chapter 5 and verse 8, it says, But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So as the theology begins to evolve, we start to understand that there comes this place when we recognize how unworthy we are, how messed up we are, and God says, I'm coming to save you anyways. Folks, that is grace. But there is more to it. There's another side of grace, a side many of you may not be familiar, you might not even recognize its grace, a side of grace that you experience often, but you don't understand what it is, because we have been taught from children to understand grace from the beautiful but limited definition I just gave you. Turn with me in the Bible to Hebrews chapter 2, and I want to read verses 9 and 10 because it's so important that we begin to understand grace in a deeper manner because, folks, it's way more complex than what many people understand. Hebrews chapter 2, starting in verse 9, but we, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Folks, sometimes grace is violent. See, you look at this scripture and we see another side of grace, a violent side of grace. When you read it carefully, it was God's grace that sent Jesus to his death. Now, don't get me wrong. It was our sin that caused the problem, but our sin doesn't make God do anything. God looks down on this earth and he sees this ugly race of people called humans and they're completely and utterly undeserving, unthankful people, and understands that by his own law, there is only one way to cleanse these people from their sin, and it requires a sacrifice. The Heavenly Father knows that animal sacrifice will never purge completely, so he decides to send his only begotten son, Jesus, to suffer the worst beating in history, according to Isaiah chapter 52. Read the last few verses right at the end. And he calls that grace. Let me read that verse again in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Did you understand that? 
Let me read actually verse nine again to make this a little clear. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. The sufferings, the death of Jesus Christ here, God is calling grace. You see, I used to think it was my sin that put Jesus on the cross. It was not my sin. He went to the cross because of my sin, but sin did not force him to go. It was grace that put Jesus on the cross. The only way to stop sin in its tracks is grace. Jesus was wounded and suffered and crucified because of grace. You see, grace is not only unmerited favor, but a powerful weapon that makes war against sin. Turn with me to Romans chapter 7. Starting in verse 15, I think this is some very familiar place that many of you know and understand. And I want to dig into this because this is a kind of the place where most believers identify themselves with in Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 and verse 15. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent under the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. So here Paul is talking about that common struggle that we all know and understand. You want to do the right thing. You want to overcome. You want to have victory. And every time you're starting down the right path, you fall into temptation and you suffer and you feel defeated. Paul understood what you're going through. He struggled with the very same thing. Paul was in an all-out war against his flesh that wanted to sin. His heart was saying no, but the carnal side of Paul was saying yes. Paul is facing this battle, a battle that we have all faced and many are facing right now. And the reason that he is struggling and warring within is grace. I'll prove it to you. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 14. Romans chapter 6 and verse 14. We're going to find out that this war within is because of grace. Romans chapter 6, verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. What he is saying here is because of grace, sin shall no longer have dominion over you. We don't continue in sin because we are under grace. God forbid, Paul says, that's evil, wicked from the devil. You don't get grace so that you can live in sin. 
No, no, no. That's not what he's talking about. You don't toss out God's commandments because of grace. Those commands are the only way we know if we have sinned. The Bible says that sin is the transgression of the law. How do you know that you've sinned if it weren't for God's commands? That's why they apply today. But grace has come in because that sin had dominion and God says no more will sin have dominion over you. But see, this is a powerful verse also because when it says that grace has come, so sin will no longer have dominion over you, it actually means what it says in the Bible, that sin should no longer rule the believer's life. You see, when you look at that word dominion, it simply means in the original language to rule. That's what it means to have dominion, to be a Lord over your life. It's that other master. And the Bible says you can't serve two masters. Coming to Jesus, that means there is a new ruler in your life. And our king is a warrior and he makes war against sin because it has no place in his kingdom. And the Bible calls it grace. You see, Paul did not end up living like that forever. But unfortunately, so many Christians have been taught the Romans chapter 7 lifestyle, that you're just an old rotten sinner, and that's where you're going to have to live your entire life. There's nothing you can do to have victory. Even though the Bible talks about it over and over again, that we can have victory. Uh, We've talked about it in the programs before, uh, in Isaiah 58, the promise that if you'll seek God and fast his way, uh, that he will break every yoke. I mean, that's powerful. But unfortunately, the modern day Christian era says, no, that you have to live under the bondage of sin because that's all that you are. And folks, I'm telling you, yes, you are an old rotten sinner, but the grace of our God doesn't leave us in the place we were at. Turn with me to Romans chapter eight. Let's look at what God's saying about this war that's going on because we're not to, we're not going to live defeated forever. Romans chapter eight and verse one. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of the life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Hallelujah. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So what Paul is saying is that, listen, that there was an old Paul, and there is a battle that happens. But Paul learned in Romans chapter 8, he's trying to tell you, there's now therefore no more condemnation in Christ Jesus for those who now walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh anymore. Paul's saying there's a better way. There's a way to have victory over sin. There's a way to walk free from sin, and that's by walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Grace had refused to leave Paul in his old carnal nature. 
Grace would not allow Satan to have dominion over Paul anymore. Grace had invaded Paul's life and made war against sin and had victory. Paul was now living by the spirit and no longer by the flesh. Folks, grace is sometimes violent. It makes war against sin. The king of all kings is in the business of delivering, and it's called grace. It is the sworn enemy of sin, and God is giving it freely today. Let's see if we can bring this home. Folks, let me be clear right now. I never said anywhere in this message that you're going to be perfect. But that is no excuse to allow sin to rule over our lives. You see, there is a struggle in all of our hearts, including mine. This yearning to be free from our fleshly desires, a great controversy between good and evil that's been raging on since the fall back in Eden, all this stuff that has been going on, and here comes grace. It invades our lives, and this sin that we have been struggling within becomes more apparent, and many times we see it for all of its ugliness, and we think it, we will never overcome, and we many times think that God is actually against us because of the guilt of seeing this sin when we don't understand that it's actually grace that is now fighting against it. That's why it has become so ugly and so apparent to you, because God is showing it, and he's warring against it, and he wants you to know and understand that he's fighting for for you and he's not fighting against you so often we try and we struggle and we can't find the victory we see god's commands and standards and we feel like we can't live up to it it was the same thing that paul went through and we wonder why the battle is so intense well it's in romans chapter 5 verse 20 This is why it's so intense. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. You see, what the law of God does, folks, is it exposes our sin for what it is, and it leaves us without an excuse. And here comes grace. In this all-out assault from a loving God, giving you something that you don't deserve, but it's exactly what you need, and this grace is unwilling to be anything less this God of grace than the supreme ruler in your life. And you feel trapped in your sin, and God is saying, let me in my grace will abound. Let me in and, and let it flow freely in your life and overcome this failure that you are struggling with. God has come to make war, and he's using grace to do it. God has got more grace, believer, than you have sin in your life. But it continues in verse 21 of Romans chapter 5. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. This battle is raging. We are leading our, because we are leading our own lives in our own flesh. And this flesh brings death. And God says, let me by my grace in that you may experience life eternal. Folks, God is fighting for you. And that struggle that you feel within 
that guilt sometimes you bring up and that's all you see, that battle that's going on, you must understand that that war is God fighting for you. And instead of feeling defeated, it's time to get on his side and fight with him and understand that he who is with you, that no one can stand against you, that no weapon that is formed may prosper against you because God is warring and he's going to transform your life. Folks, he accepts us how we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there. In Okinawa, in the spring of 1945, Private Desmond Doss Company faced a grueling task. Climb a steep, jagged cliff, also called Hacksaw Ridge, to a plateau where thousands of heavily armed Japanese soldiers were waiting for them. I know I was stationed in Okinawa. I actually had the pleasure of seeing him. My wife met uh, Desmond Doss too. A little bit later after we had saw him, he signed the very first documentary before the movie came out. He was an amazing man, powerful story. Um, it, it was unbelievable. And so here he was as where the thousands of Japanese were. The terrain was treacherous. It was full of caves and holes and the Japanese were dug in underground. They called it the rain of steel because there was so much iron flying around up there. Under a barrage of gunfire and, expo- and explosions, Doss crawled on the ground from wounded to wounded, bullets flying all around him. His life was in danger. No one else would come out and brave such thing. And as he dragged one injured person after another after another to the edge and he lowered them down, he kept going back in for another one. As the medics would receive them, there another one would be coming down. And the whole time Doss said by his own words, he was praying Just give me one more. Lord, please help me get one more. You see, what was going on in Desmond Doss's life is what's going on in our Heavenly Father. You see, there's a war going on for our souls right now. And in the Lord, he's like, just one more. We got, we got to get as many as we can. And God's fighting with all he's got because he wants to make sure that everyone has had a chance to seek him, to find him. And, and he's, if he just one more second, maybe one more person, our God, he says, if I have to leave the 99, I will go after that one lost sheep. I'll leave the whole flock behind and I'll go after him. And when I find that sheep, I'm going to put them on my shoulder and I'm going to take them home. And when they get home, we're going to rejoice and we're going to party and shout and joy because that which was lost has now been found. God will do whatever it takes to save you. An all-loving God laid down his life for undeserving sinners, endured the sufferings and the agonies of the cross that we so justly deserved, and the Bible calls it grace. Folks, it's time to surrender ourselves unto Jesus Christ and realize that God is fighting for us, not against us. 
that the war that we struggle with, we've got to remember, God, it's you who are fighting with me. You are not alone, believer. You're not alone, friend. Our God is on our side in that battle. Quit feeling so guilty and join in with him as he overcomes and delivers us. Our job is not to set ourselves free from sin. Our job is to seek him with all of our heart and he will in turn overcome for us. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and then all things will be added unto you. It's time for us to seek God and allow him to win the battle. This is Brother Frank on the remnant call saying to everybody, keep the faith. We are in the end of time. This is the moment when we pour out our hearts to God. Good night and shalom. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 